Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I will be your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bright Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I have my beautiful wife and co-host, Rebecca Russell. And uh, you can reach me at Chef Bright Comedy or by simply by searching Surviving Empathy Podcast. And you can reach Rebecca at Spooky Nerdy Gal. And today, ladies and gentlemen, this show is all about realizing your value and worth in the real world as it really is self-care after a physical or emotional illness and fighting against stigmas because we you guys went to a tool concert uh last monday and uh by friday we found out that we have covid y'all and you know what even my own mama ducked and dived out of my way she uh did not want to be anywhere near me i was basically a leper all week long to her <laughs> and uh you know and you can't you can't blame her for that you know she's immunocompromised she's older but i want to talk about stigma in general that could be the stigma of covid that could be the stigma of mental health we as a society empower ourselves and get better when we know the facts and so i want to tackle some of the misnomers about covid and some of the misnomers about mental health so that we fight against stigma because at the end of the day stigma creates a false sense of fear and scrutiny towards others that sometimes is not always accurate and so at the end of the day we're always trying to fight for the betterment and change of our culture and so by doing so we're fighting against stigmas and any held belief that is not rooted in reality so that's what we have for you guys it's two hours of non-stop fun uh we go into a lot of other things here as well we talk about uh, why we do this show who this is for and why and uh, we a little bit about our backstory again i want you guys to see who we are and where we come from and what we represent because we are very much like you guys we do not sugarcoat it we are proud to be regular working class people who have struggled with mental health in the past and we're okay with that we want to see show you guys that it's okay to be imperfect and still you can still have worth and value and you can still lead a very robust and successful life despite the fact that you're not a perfect person this culture creates a society where we all feel like we have to live up to certain uh, impossible expectations and that is not the way to go so grab yourself a beverage grab yourself a snack this is a long one you guys get comfortable you can listen to this in segments if you wish but uh we and thank you for being a part of our empath tribe and let's begin well hello ladies and gentlemans uh i am brian russell welcome to another episode of surviving empathy I will be your host today, and I have my beautiful wife and co-host here, Rebecca Russell. Please say hello to the folks. Hello, folks. So, this episode is going to be slightly different from what you guys are used to. Um, usually, I don't have COVID, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. usually I don't feel like shit, and um, this one, I feel a little bit under the weather, but I thought this would be a really good time to talk about all our problems. So this is kind of uh, what you might call, what do you call that when you talk about all your problems? You, it, dirty laundry, perhaps? Yeah, call it the good. dirty laundry episode? Yep. We're just going to vent all our grievances, all out. Coffee talk. It's coffee talk. We'll talk about dogs and daughters. No big whoop. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So how you doing, babe? How you feeling? I'm okay. 
I'm feeling all right. So to get you guys up to speed, uh, so we went to a Tool concert on Monday, January 10th, just a few days before Rebecca's birthday. And we planned this thing for months, boy. This was, I don't remember how long. It was like, it was a while. I think it was like spring of last year or something like that is when tickets became available. Yeah, and we bought them right away. We're just like, oh, we're going, you know. Yeah, because you know we've never been to a Tool concert, and if you guys don't know Tool, Tool is this band that has these long, epic instrumentals. Uh, They're all about um, metaphysics and spirituality and uh, ascending to your highest level. And I thought, wow, that's that's right up my alley, you know, because that's what I've always been about is simply. Trying to discuss self exploration, self discovery, so that you can arrive at a place of not only uh, omnipresence or self actualization, but also just a place of, you know, being self realization. Self real, yeah, self realization where you just weird when I said it, but you're happy yeah. <laughs> with who you are. Yeah. You're happy with uh, where you are, and if you're not happy with who you are, or where you are, at least you're self actualized enough to know where those changes need to be. Um, you know, put into place, you know, and that's what this show is essentially all about is we're trying to get you guys to uh, not only realize your worth, but to work on yourselves in little ways. And it's, it's about self-discovery, self-reflection, self, um, you know, self-care really. It's about all those things. And that's what the show's about. And we also talk about cryptids and uh, being an empath if you're an empath or you're just not sure what, if you're an empath, this is a good show to kind of help you try to try to figure that out. Um, but it's also about mental health. Um, we're all about all those things because we believe that they're all interrelated. And that's why we wanted this episode to sort of reflect not only all our grievances, but also to catch you guys up in who we are, what we're all about, and our backstory and what we care about so that we can all sort of... Um, you know, be friends and be a tribe and be connected by common purpose and common sense of uh, a set of values, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, so that's, so we'll get you started here. So we went to the tool show on Monday and um, it's such a weird time to go to a tool concert on a Monday energetically for me, especially when the weather's all funky. And so I was just like, like, uh, okay. Uh, and we had the hardest time getting ready to go because it, it just did not feel like a rock concert day. It did not. The weather the up slightest. here in the Pacific Northwest is funky. It's it's yeah. like, you it know, we're gray. tired. It was a very inside yeah. kind of day. Yeah, it's a very indoorsy kind of day, and we were just not feeling it. But we're, we, got our, we got ourselves pumped up, and we went to the show, and... Um, I think the reason why we caught COVID is because I decided to drink beer. And when you're drinking beer, you, you, you put your mask on hundreds of times. And finally, I was like, fuck this. And I just, I had it dangling from my ear. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit, you you let your guard down one second, man, and there you go. And that's all it takes. But the good news is, is we think that's probably where we got it because that's where we had the most amount of exposure Sure, it could have come from Rebecca's work, and she could have given it to us, <coughs> excuse me, days before. Um, but we've been safe all this time and nothing. And so the good news is, you guys, is um, so So what happened was we went to the show. We had a great time. We drank a few beers. We got home safe because Rebecca didn't drink as much as me. 
Um, but we had a great time, and then I started feeling symptoms on that was Monday. We started feeling symptoms on Thursday, and I was like, oh shoot, eh, it's probably just a common cold, you know. Um, and then by Friday, um, I had my my mom uh, she, because I, I'm quarantined and I can't go anywhere. Rebecca well, went to I work. I went to work. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't know. And then uh, I did I, double mask. We couldn't. Yeah, she double masked, and we went. We we got uh, those rapid tests that you get at Walgreens, and we uh, my mom got them for me and brought them to us. Um, and I took the test, and within like four minutes, I could see a line developing. I was like, ah, shit. Um, you tested negative twice, even though you're showing the same symptoms as me. And we yes. we we read a bunch of articles, and I'm not going to talk about a lot of COVID stuff here because I don't want to, you know, accidentally put out inf- misinformation or something. But what I learned is uh, through these articles is that uh, you cannot get a false positive very often. It's not frequent that you will see a false positive because either the antibody. Either the the antigen is in your body or it's not. So when it yeah. detects that, that's when you see a line. The first line is a control. The second line is the actual test. And so um, I saw two lines. I was like, ah, fuck. Called yeah. me at work and I came home. Yeah. So she had to come home because she has to quarantine. And so she did. Uh, did we, we? She took it when she got home. And then she took it on, uh, was it Saturday? Sunday. This, it was yesterday. Was it, uh, yeah, was it yeah, yesterday? Like oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. We yeah. took the second one on then, and she got, she passed both times. <laughs> she passed. <laughs> like, she studied hard. <laughs> um, but she did not, uh, nothing was detected on her, but we do believe she has it because we read articles that said there's like um, kind of a 20% chance of there being false negatives, that that's quite common, especially with the Omicron variant, because um, for whatever reason. Um, the o- Omicron variant doesn't seem to show up as, as frequent as yeah. others. And we heard that the Omicron variant is more easily transmissible, but the symptoms are milder. So that's what we're thinking probably happened. Yeah. And I know from experience working in the medical <clears throat> field that when we would do rapid throat tests for strep, mm-hmm. if it was negative, we always send it out to the lab as a backup because you, they're not 100%. Right. And sometimes those would come back positive from the lab and they weren't positive on the rapid so right i know from yeah. experience that that's a thing yeah so. yeah exactly so yeah so you know so of course <clears throat> at first the first thing that happens is you you get fearful oh shit it happened to me you hear all the scary stories in the news um and that's what we wanted to talk about first we want to talk about stigma because we have a tendency in our culture no matter how uh, much we're evolving, we're still through lack of understanding, ignorance. Ignorance isn't always a bad word. It just means that you don't know something. You don't know until you know. And so we wanted to kind of tackle the stigma, uh, the word stigma itself. Is it, you know, stigma comes from, well, here, I'll read the definition for you. So the word stigma means a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. The stigma of having gone to prison will always be with me, or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, Or in this case, in Christian tradition, marks corresponding to those left on Jesus' body, that's more like stigmata. Yeah, um, that's probably where it came from. Yeah, exactly. And so there's always a negative impression or negative connotation 
associated with any pay, pay, person, place, or thing. You know, basically. Yes. Yeah. So that's what a stigma is. And so we believe that there's a stigma to getting COVID. And we're all guilty of doing it. I mean, shoot, when I told my mom that we uh, test positive, she treated me like a leper the first day. <laughs> you know, And, you know, and I think that's very natural. And so I didn't take it personally. But I did want to tackle stigma in and of itself. Because I think in our culture, we there is a stigma associated with uh, coronavirus. We do tend to think that people who get it are the ones who are irresponsible. They're the ones who aren't getting vaccinated. They're the ones that don't wear masks properly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we wanted to tell you that we got our two tests, we got our two vaccinations, and we got our booster. And we still got it. And so that's the thing is that, yes, it does seem to minimize the chance of you getting it, but it doesn't necessarily take it away entirely. It's not 100%. Right. Which then people use that as an excuse not to get it. Right. Because, well, if it's not going to not make me get it then well the thing is is but what it also is doing is that it's not it 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 protects us because now your body is has been introduced to it and it's not quite so foreign and therefore the it's symptoms aren't as bad and, and it so, recognizes it right away and yeah. starts attacking it because it knows it's not well and i think the long-term effects of covid are caused from the fact that your body doesn't know how to handle it and so what happens is is it can start causing lung scarring and all these other things based on the fact that your body has no defense mechanism toward it. And so it can cause long-term damage because by the time it works up enough antibodies to start fighting it, um, it's already done some damage and that could cause some long-term damage. So the good news is you guys is that um, my symptoms were a little bit worse than Rebecca's, but um, it just felt like a moderate mild to moderate cold. I, I, I'm not coughing a lot, but I, I do have the rhinitis. I do have uh, to blow my nose frequently, a little bit of a runny nose, stuffed up nose at night. Uh, but the first symptom was sore throat. I felt a sore throat in the back of my throat. Me too. And I felt um, <clears throat> chest congestion. Right. Felt Day two is when I started feeling chest congestion. And that's when I started to worry the most because I'm a runner. And I was like, oh, gosh, I hope it doesn't attack my lungs too badly. Um, but the good news is, is that it felt no worse than a common cold. But the only reason that is, is because we, I believe is because we got vaccinated, you know, because yeah. if we had no defense toward it, I think it would have been a lot more severe. And so we, I think I'm really quite fortunate and, and very happy that we, if we were going to get it, we, we got it under these circumstances because it allowed us to, you know, get a much lesser version of it. And uh, hopefully after this, it'll leave with the vaccinations as well. We're, we're, we're actually quadruple boosted in, in a way. Yeah. And it that, gave me an extra week off work. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, sometimes you guys, the working man, Joe, you know, you can't get off work. It's kind of like office space where that guy's like, you know, sometimes good things can happen if you wait long enough. And he got into like a motor vehicle accident with a six figure settlement. And like, Good yeah. things can happen because that's what that's the unfortunate reality about the working Joe and working people problems is that I mean that's the irony of that joke is that we actually relate to that you actually have to catch an illness or a disease or get into a motor vehicle accident to get time off of work and how sad is that? But then of course 
very shortly after COVID pay got discontinued. So now I'm having to use the rest of my vacation pay to cover the time, which just leads into corporations being assholes. Because as soon as the state or the government said they don't have to, Mm -hmm. they don't do it. Yeah. Never mind that we're still in the middle of shit. So, well, and that's why I wanted this whole episode to be sort of about airing of grievances, because um, at the end of the day, the reason why we get on corporations like we do um, I think everybody has or, or should at least work a regular Joe job at one time in their life. And I've paid my dues. You've paid your dues. So we're at a point where we're pushing 50 and we're trying to create something more and better out of our lives. And so, yeah, you get tired of the same old, same old nothingness. And corporations are, you know, as the world gets more populated, they just get greedier because they don't have to. They don't have to pretend like they used to. They used to pretend to care. And now they don't even have to do that because there's so many people in the world. There's, I think it's just getting easier to exploit people because there's just always going to be some needy person out there that they can take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. And so I really I don't like going off about corporatism. I don't like talking about the ills of capitalism. But I feel like that is what's tied to our poor mental health. So it's all interrelated, and that's why we talk about it, because at the end of the day, every human being deserves a, a good job, and not worrying about bills, not worrying about whether or not you're making enough money, not worrying about whether you're going to have food on the table. When your prime life goal is simply to make rent every month, you know, it's like that episode mm-hmm. of Bob's Burgers we watch. He's like, hey, you guys, maybe we could, I don't know work in the restaurant and pay our bills <laughs> and pay our rent. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day we want, that's what I like about that show is because, it, you know, the family's trying to have a life and Bob is just like, Hey, if we don't make enough money, we're not going to have a place to live or work. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that is a very yeah. grueling reality that I believe is just a little bit too grueling for the times we're living in. We're living in times that are so We're getting there, but we're not there yet. We're getting more self-aware as a culture. We're getting more sensitive as a culture. And we're getting, we are making marked improvements in a lot of areas. But at the end of the day, regressiveness still stands. It's still the status quo. And that's why we we fight is because we're we're simply fighting. We're not looking to take anyone down. We're not looking to hurt corporations per se. We want them, because they're making plenty of money. We simply want them to hold themselves accountable and, and to start creating a standard of life, if, if 80% of, the, of our society has to work at regular jobs, then those regular jobs should reflect our values. That's all I said. That's all I mean. Yeah, you know? for sure. So, you know, anyways, hang on. I got to do something. I'll be right back. So stigma, you guys. Sorry about that. I had to pause there for a minute. But um, you don't know. I don't even know. Why, why do I even tell folks? Like, I know you can't tell most I, of the you time. You can't tell most of the time, anyways. But yeah, I feel like I, you know, unless have it's to be me honest. and my dead air. <laughs> yeah, the dead air, exactly. Um, but you know, I wanted to quickly tackle stigma, stereotypes, judgments, and how to remain positive under that kind of scrutiny and pressure. Right. Um, at the end of the day, no, we are all subject to judgment and ridicule and scrutiny by others. Um, And that's what this show is trying to teach you guys, especially if you're an empath, is that we can't help being sensitive. We can't help that we care deeply and we're passionate about things. We can't help being creative, creatively driven people, right? 
And so what I'm trying to do is get those folks to understand the importance of sticking up for themselves and to get tough because the world isn't always going to relent or understand. And so we have to become uh, simultaneously, we don't want to lose our softness, but at the same time, we, we don't, we have to remain tough and vigilant in order to battle all those forces out there. What are your thoughts about that? Well, you, yeah, it is. It's like everything else in life. You just you have to have a balance, and you have to you have to have an outlet for getting things out and yeah. and doing it in a healthy way. Because otherwise, you bottle things up, and then it just kind of boils over. Well, and then the reason why I thought we had so much room for growth on this show, and the reason why we have specifically paranormal, cryptids, mental health, and life is because I felt like they were all interrelated because the mental health and the empath stuff is the personal struggle stuff that we all deal with. And unless you're not an empath, but a lot of the people who listen either are empath curious or they are, you know, realized empaths. Um, But those are connected. And then the cryptid paranormal stuff is more, um, the paranormal kind of sort of connected to energy and energy is connected to uh, both being an empath because we sense energy and vibes, but and that can go into sensing ghosts sometimes. So mm. that's yeah. all interconnected as an empath to me. It may not make sense to the lay person, but to an empath, it makes perfect sense because, oh, oh yeah, yeah, because uh, often we sense energies because a lot of times we can't sense the difference between a ghost, per se, and, and just um, somebody's energy. And so when you're sensing something, you're not sure that that is a ghost. You just know that you're sensing something. Either yeah. some, and, and, and if you're somewhere where it shouldn't be there, then you're like, hmm. You know, <laughs> exactly. kind of, that's like when we moved to Washington and we, I sensed that weird, sickly energy from mm-hmm. our uh, spare, bedroom. spare bedroom. I was like, yeah. hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a ghost. It was just the remnant energy of a former tenant, yeah. I believe. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, getting back to stigmas and stereotypes, you know, uh, I think we're making a lot of progress as a culture in terms of becoming more sensitive. And then you get a kind of a pushback from that, because I think a lot of the old school people or the more conservative people, they think that's we're trying to pussify everyone, that we're all trying to become weaklings. Do you want to talk about the difference there? Well, I think a lot of older generations, they're they're so used to bottling things up and not talking about things. So when you do mm-hmm. talk about things like mental health, it's like, Ooh, that's private. You shouldn't talk about that. Yeah. Which is the stigma of it. People and- get mad at me mm-hmm. sometimes. And I think that's why my friend Jeremy was like mad at me that day because he thinks it's inappropriate to talk about certain things on Facebook or to go on long stories yeah. about something about your mental health because he's not used to it. It makes him uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, then don't read it, motherfucker. Shit. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> and like I was telling you earlier, I've I've had so many conversations with coworkers, and I'm very open about my mental health stuff, and I'll talk about mm-hmm. it to anybody and everybody. And so many people, I'll talk about something, and they'll be like, "Hey, me too. I didn't yeah. know you dealt with that. Well, I do too." And it just it just brings it out into the open, and it makes it less stigmatized. And, well, absolutely. Which is, I think it, which is a big help for people because then you don't feel like you're alone. You don't feel like right. you're. There's something wrong with you. Well, exactly. When you start not only getting it off your chest, that is a form of, of, of 
therapy, but then you start building a community based on the fact that other people feel the way you feel. And that's what this empath tribe is to me is it, you don't have to be an empath. I, if you are an empath, great, but it, you, I don't, I don't solely target empaths because I'm so much more than just an empath. Being an empath isn't like being, you know, it's not a title. It's just kind of a part of who you are. It's one yeah, part. It's one facet. You know, I have another part of me that's very, you know, nerdy and loves pop culture and superheroes. And I talk about that on my Instagram about why I gravitate towards superheroes is because it helps me to find my inner courage and bravery and my inner moral righteousness to think as a Boy Scout would think. What is right and wrong and where do we find our uh, moral compass, especially when we're put under pressure. And that reminds me of Cobra Kai. I was thinking of doing an entire episode on Cobra Kai because that's how much I enjoy it. But mm-hmm. maybe we could just talk about that a little here. Yeah. Um, but let me just finish what we were talking about. Um, yeah. So so we're trying to remove stigmas. We're trying to remove the stigma on mental health. We're trying to remove the stigma on COVID. We're not saying removing stigmas means that you remove, you let your guard down. You should still follow all the guidelines and you should still get vaccinated and still wear a mask and do everything that you need to because that's not about conformity. That's about those mandates are put in place for public health and safety. And a lot of mm-hmm. people think it's about them. No, it's about protecting each other. Yeah. It's a communal thing. And there's and when, so many people that are so selfish. Well, that's why people think... That's why conservatives think socialism is akin to communism because they can't grasp the understanding of a common, uh, you know, commonality. They're supposed to be the love thy neighbor crowd. Socialism is about common wealth and, and people who are selfish can't think of sharing anything. And that's why they can't, they can't grasp the concept of a common wealth. You know what I mean? That's what all socialism is. It's about ha- equalizing things so that we're all in it together. It's not to punish the wealthy or to reward the poor. It's to create a more level playing field so that regular mm-hmm. people can get a leg up in this world. And while we'll probably never have true socialism, we can certainly create a much more compassionate capitalism. And that's all we're fighting for, you know. Yeah. Sure. It's not about because I don't want to get militant. So, sometimes we have to accept the world we live in. We live in a capitalist society. There are going to be corporations out there. Those corporations are going to always exploit people's worth. They're always going to take advantage. They're always going to minimize their value. And so we, as regular people, have to fight always in a way that's not taxing to us, though, because we also have to worry about self care. Because if you spent all of your life fighting you may find that you don't even know what you're fighting for at the end of the day you have to know why you're fighting and know how to fight in a way that you're not exhausting yourself mm-hmm. it's that yeah. balance yeah so is. we do we do talk about it on the show but we don't you know what i mean we don't we don't you know kick a dead horse so to speak because we don't want to continue uh sounding negative because we're not against our society we're simply trying to identify and excise regressiveness anything that's moving backwards can't move forwards and that should be addressed that's all yeah and it's not politically driven it's just about and everything's just so interconnected so yeah that's why it comes back to it because it's all part of 
everything. Yeah, exactly. So at the end of the day, um, try not to stigmatize mental health. Try not to stigmatize or create stereotypes. It's so easy to do. You know, oh, black people do like this and white people do that. It's like, you know, you'll hear uh, black comedians talk about how all white people love mayonnaise. I'm like, sorry, I like a moist sandwich. What am I? What else? Am I? I I remember when I was a kid. The first time I heard that joke, I was like, "What do black people put on their sandwich?" Then <laughs> I was like, "Mustard, I guess." <laughs> like they don't like moist sandwiches. I don't know. Um, but there are stereotypes, and sometimes those stereotypes have a tendency to perpetuate um, feelings of uh, that that perpetuate you know inequality and injustices, and we don't want to do that. So. Yeah. That's why we attack. We're trying to raise awareness on stigmas and stereotypes and judgments. Is because judge not, lest ye be judged thyself. You know, it's not only in the Bible, but it's an old Metallica lyric, and that's how I know it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, we don't need to judge others. It, you know, life is too short. You know, uh, I want to become a, an empath tribe. A collection of freaks and geeks and misanthropes and misfits and regular working class folk. I want all those people to know that, hey, we're not going to change just because we're in the limelight. We're not going to roll over and and let it get to our head. I haven't earned one red penny, but even if I become a millionaire in the long term with this, it's never going to change the fact that what I care about and who I care about is who and what I care about. That's not going to ever change. No, and I all. refuse to let it get to my head. Ooh, now I'm, I'm a fancy man. Ooh, like, <laughs> I'll be the same old Dorito eating, trailer park guy, uh, living in my McMansion if I ever make it. <laughs> okay, so that's you know, is there anything else to talk about? Stigma, stereotypes, judging people. No, I don't think so. Don't do it. Just I don't guess do it. Exactly. All the, <laughs> not much more to say about it, really. Um. But uh, let's see here. Um, empath self-care checkup. So I wanted that to be a part of the day. Um, what did we say we were going to talk about? Oh, oh, we we're going to talk about Cobra Kai. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> let's do that real quick. <laughs> okay. So I don't think it would make up an entire episode, but we, you know, we marathoned since we're sickies. Uh, by the way, we are getting better. We're feeling better. Uh, the symptoms are practically gone now. Um, it just got, you know how you have those remnant where the cold feels like it's not there anymore, but the symptom, the, the, what's left over from it is still there. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like coughing out the crud that it left. Yeah. That's what's kind of happening now. We're, we're not symptomatic anymore, but we're still coughing out the symptoms. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, but the, yeah, I just love this show and I've always loved this show, but I got to thinking yesterday when we were watching it. Oh, I got to talk about this to my empath tribe because I wanted to share my thoughts about what it represents because I won't give any spoilers away, but in, in season four, now you have these three separate dojos. Uh, you've got um, Cobra Kai, of course, that's now taken over by Crease and this Don't. new person. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> nope, I'm not going to say. And then you've got... Uh, Eagle Fang. Eagle Fang, which is hilarious in and of itself, because eagles don't have fangs, yeah. and that's something Johnny would come up with. Yeah. So, of course, that's Johnny Lawrence, and his character is that imperfect, very flawed character that's but lovable. Uh, that's why we love him. And then you've got Miyagi-Do, that is all about defense and balance and centering. And so that really 
feels like what we're trying to do is we're it's that duality in all of us. You know, that's what I'm trying to teach you guys is that yes, we all have a bad side. We all have a side that wants to kick the shit out of people. We all have a side that wants to go to the dark side. Um, it, that doesn't mean that you're not an empath. It does not mean that you're a bad person. It, so long as you don't act on it, um, it's about identifying your hateful thoughts, identifying your thoughts of love and beauty, and then trying to come to a place of acceptance where you're a hybrid of those things because you can't just be all good or all bad. We, what we're trying to do is not act on our bad impulses and to try to find ways to make the world a better place by making all people just a little bit more you know, thoughtful, a little bit more sensitive to other people and their feelings, you know, because you can't, we can't always identify with everything everybody else says, but we can certainly identify and sympathize. If we can't empathize, we can certainly sympathize. And that's the difference yeah. between empathy and sympathy is that empathizing means you're empathizing because you yourself go through that as well. Whereas sympathy is more of like empathy, but you're, you don't relate. You yeah. don't relate as much. You don't relate or don't actually feel it yourself, but right. you feel for the person. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So I just thought the the whole show just takes on this um, good versus evil, um, bad, I don't know. What would you, how would you? It's Yeah, and it's it it shows the, the complication. Comp- Complexities? I've, I've got like, I think I have COVID, got COVID foggy brain. brain. Yeah. Um, the complexities of people because right. the bad guys except for the real bad guys yeah aren't bad all the time they're bad well, because of certain reasons that's what i like about the show is that uh, if you were watching season two so and so might have been a bad guy and then on season three it might flip and then on season four it might flip again and so your loyalties never stay the same you're always loyal to Daniel LaRusso because he's the you know main protagonist, <laughs> and you're always friends with Johnny Lawrence. And but then our loyalty towards everybody else kind of flips around a lot. Yeah, whether because it be Miguel or, yeah. or anybody else, is, is that yeah? It's like Johnny's son, uh, Ronnie Robbie. Robbie, is that he was a bad guy and then he became a good guy and then he became a bad guy. And now he's a good guy again. So it's like. Mm-hmm. What's I think what, that's what that proves, and what we're what's that what that's demonstrating is that human beings, especially young people, have the capacity to change and grow, and that we should allow for people to change, and we should, and so you never just write somebody off who has the capacity for growth, you know. Yeah. And before I forget, I just wanted to thank all of you guys who have been following us. For all of your support and kindness over this whole COVID ordeal, um, but I just wanted to remove the stigma because, yeah, at first I felt like, like me, even my own mom was treating me like I was a leper, you know. <laughs> and then um, people who hear you get COVID, they assume that you're being irresponsible, or they assume all these negative things. And I have to tell you, we did everything right. It's just sometimes you're going to yeah. get it anyway. Yeah, and it's so. just it can be that one little. You adjust your mask and you touch your nose and you and just then touch boom, something with it on the it. surface. Like right. it can be something as yeah, simple as Yeah, because we were that. not it's irresponsible. Not, yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have drank beer and that would have kept my mask on all the time. But even even if I had done all that, if we were exposed to it, there's a chance it could have gotten on my cloth, the cloth of my yeah. mask 
and then I just rub my eye or something. Yeah, so exactly. you don't know whether or not you're ever 100% protected. You just have to do what you can do and be as careful as you can. Yeah, and, and that's what we're doing yeah. now is we, you know, we, we mask up before we leave the bedroom. We wipe everything. We wash our hands immediately in the kitchen before we do anything. And then we wipe all our surfaces down. So we're doing everything we can. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's not 100% thing. But I just wanted to remove that stigma because, yeah, I felt the judgment that I, people were judging me like I am irresponsible <laughs> or that I don't believe in science or that I don't believe in vaccinations. No, I got vaccinated. We wear masks. We wash our hands regularly. We did everything right. And and yet that yeah. judgment still persisted until I was able to explain to people that we did do everything right. And then it, I think what it does, because what I said was just on Facebook and then on Instagram, as I said, um, we we did everything right, but I want to remove the stigma because people assume that you must have, you must be a bad person or you must be irresponsible or you must have done something wrong. And it's like, no, we did everything right. And then my friend who read it thanked me for it because she lives in a very, very conservative area in California. And she's like, I'm afraid to get it because I'm afraid, not only am I afraid of what it could do to me, but I'm afraid of the stigma attached to it that people get are going to assume that else, you get right? lumped into all these yeah. negative yeah. characteristics, right? And so we have mm-hmm. to really remove that stigma because we did everything right and we still got it. And thank God, thank goodness that you know the symptoms were mild and we're going to make a full recovery. Because of the vaccine. Because of the vaccine, because of good science, right? But, so yeah. anyways, getting back to Cobra Kai, I just like the themes because... Uh, you know, Miyagi-Do represents all that's wholesome and good, and it's all about defense, whereas Cobra Kai is sort of all about strike first, strike hard, no mercy, um, don't be a pussy, you know, and, and that kind of really, we were seeing that in our culture today. It really represents yeah, our culture. And then sure. uh, Eagle Fang, I can't say that without <laughs> laughing, but Eagle Fang is kind of a hybrid of the two. Mm-hmm. It's finding... It's Cobra and then, Kai light. It's Cobra Kai yeah. light. Or it's yeah. Miyagi Do light. It's a it's a yeah. it's a hybrid of the two mm-hmm. schools of thought, and I yeah. like that. And they use that, and they they were showing at the end. I won't give it away, but one character was like, "Well, you got to let me be me." Mm-hmm. And then they showed a, a clip of uh, I think it was uh, Karate Kid Three, where they were planting the um, uh, bonsai bonsai tree. Thank you. I'm having a COVID brain fart, <laughs> um, and. Um, and, and Miyagi teaching a lesson to Daniel-san that um, you learn all this stuff, but at the end of the day, the karate that you perform, has to, you make it your own. And that really struck to me, stuck with me because um, when I became a chef, I am not everything I learned in culinary school. I am an amalgamation of everything I've learned from culinary school, all the kitchens I've worked at, and, and all the home cooks and people that I've learned over the years – my form of cooking now is a hybrid of not only my beliefs and values, but also a hybrid of all the different styles that you can pick mm-hmm. up. And so I love the way they were able to shape that into, at the end of the day, you just got to be yourself. You learn all these things. You try to master these things. But at the end of the day, you got to make it your own. Yeah. And, and I a- just love, I love the themes of it. And it's allowing people to be themselves and you see them going through the process of learning mm-hmm. and growing. And it's just, yeah, it's just really good. It's yeah. just really good writing. And it's just, it, you can relate to it because exactly. you probably can see a little bit of yourself in everyone. Yeah. And understand where they're coming from. And why Absolutely. They do the well, and I think do. that's and- why I wanted to do a, a podcast 
because I was growing morbidly depressed and I wanted to use this opportunity real quick to talk about why it is we started this podcast because I think a lot of people just think that you must be arrogant or egotistical or have a very high opinion of yourself um, or that you're somehow privileged. I have none of that and that's why a lot of people think I'm crazy for having started a, a, a podcast. But the reason why I did this, you guys, is because of the sum total of the way the world and life was making me feel. Because at the end of the day, that's the thing, is that you can do everything right and still end up nowhere sometimes. That you, mm-hmm. you start to learn, and I don't want to be cynical about it, but you do begin to learn that you can do everything right and still fail. And that was a lesson in Cobra Kai as well. Yeah, is that was. I did everything right, then why did I still lose? Yeah. And and that's the thing, you guys, is that that's a lesson we all have to learn, that you can do everything right and still fail, still lose. And it does not, it is not a sign of your bad judgment. It is not a sign of your lack of worthiness. That we have to, when we're living in a Judeo-Christian society that pushes the concept of hard work on us so much as it does, anytime we feel like we're not meeting that mark, we automatically excuse a lot of fucked up shit in the world and then give all the credit to God, and we're not giving any credit to our own hard work. And so it's not that I want to poo-poo on God or poo-poo on good work. I think we should all pay our dues and work hard. But I don't want to pay our dues in a way that we're contributing to these corporations that are going to continue to exploit people and their their neediness towards having a job. And, you know, Because we need these systems, but... They don't. They could definitely improve in terms of pay and treatment and benefits. Yeah. I mean, like our COVID benefits should not have run out at all. The fact no. that you're not getting paid anything, even though we're still very much, it's like the politics of the day. Whether you're Democrat or Republican, is there's this urgency and demand for change, and then it happens, and they almost come heavy-handed at first. And then a couple of years yeah. later, as the enthusiasm goes down, everybody's views changes. Oh, I was just thinking the other day. I remember, I don't know, six, eight months ago, Kate Brown was saying she was going to make sure that everybody, every essential worker was going to get a check. Yeah. And that just fell by the wayside because, oh, well, we're done. We're not doing that anymore. Well, it's we're almost like they listen to um, they listen to the the unsilent majority. Whoever's crying the loudest, whichever squeaky wheel is the loudest, whether it be on social media or in the headlines or whatever, then they get all the attention. And then as soon as that sort of blows over, they forget. In other words, they're not guided by their own values. Even though they might have those values, the imperfection of politics is that, oh, we don't have to worry about that anymore because nobody's harping on it anymore. Yeah, but it's like well, we're still very much in a pandemic. Nothing's yeah, changed. and that's the whole thing with people like me that work mm-hmm. in grocery or people that work in fast food or in. Mm-hmm. It's just like at first everybody's like, "Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you," and now everybody's tired of it. So now it's just back to treating everybody like shit. We're going to overwork you. We're going to treat you like shit. Yeah, because we're tired of it. It's well, done. We're and that's why I wanted to talk anymore. quickly about our backstory and why we do this. Is that Rebecca and I have been working off and on for over 30 years. My first job, I was 13. I worked as a paper route, and then I took over my friend's route, and then I worked at McDonald's, and I've worked so many jobs that it's almost ridiculous. And I've gone back to school and earned a certificate or degree 
more than 12 times. And that's not like, oh, look at how cool I am. I did all those things because at the end of the day, you guys, the world teaches you that if you work hard, it will reward you. And while I do believe that in spirit, if you bark up the wrong tree, you're going to be sitting there barking up that wrong tree for a very long time until you start to realize, oh, there's no squirrel in that tree. There's nothing there. Yeah. And so how do you transition from, you know, working all these jobs and caring so much about that to a place of trying to do your own thing? Because now everybody treats me like, you know, Oh, well, he doesn't want to work a real job. He thinks he's too good for everything. Well, yeah, I do a little bit, but everybody should feel that way. Yeah, right. I mean, we're living in systems that are not taking care of people. And so, no, it's not about me thinking I have too much worth. It's that I'm now at an age where I realize that I can, I'm better suited towards helping people. I'm better suited towards doing my own thing because intellectually and creatively, I'm at an impasse with society. Society is not growing. And we as individuals have to grow. And if we're not growing, you know what I say, we slowing, dog. (laughs) (laughs) So at the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to encourage in everyone is to embrace their weirdness, embrace their open-mindedness, embrace their creativity, and try to see that, you know, if if you're young and you need to pay your dues, that's okay. You can work those regular jobs without becoming bitter or jaded about it but eventually you might arrive at a point in life where you will begin to resent it and that in that time you have to create a long-term goal of doing something better with your life and that's what this is for me chef Bride comedy isn't just a podcast because you guys i'm going to be putting out i'm going we have three more episodes left this one plus two more And then we are done with season two, and then we're going to start wrapping for three to four weeks. I'm not taking off two months again. That was too long. Yeah. I I forgot who I was by then. I was like, (laughs) I I didn't even know how to record it. Yeah. How's this this machine work? (laughs) Is this thing on? Yeah. Hello? (laughs) But um, so, no, I don't want to take that much time on. But in that time, I'm going to be creating a website that you guys can go to. I'm going to be creating a newsletter. I'm going to be creating a uh, th- three or four tiered uh, system on Patreon where for a cup of Joe, you help support this. But what that does is it creates newsletters and all these uh, resources for empaths, for regular working people, for uh, people who are mentally, mental health challenged, which I think we all are at this point. I don't know anybody, anybody that I know. isn't. <laughs> no, me I mean, neither. come on, no, really. Um, and that's the thing. And that's why... I, I'm so passionate about this because I want this, this the chef by comedy and surviving empathy podcast is a living, breathing, um, you know, this is where I put all of my joy. This is where I put all of my thoughts. This is where I put everything I am so that in the long term it will pay off into something rewarding, not only for myself, but be very rewarding for you guys as well. And I legitimately care about you guys more than I care about myself. If I have to not get paid for five more years, you know, I hope I get paid something, (laughs) but I really do this because of the spirit of generosity of helping other people so that we create a much more kind and genuine and, and, and functional society of people who care. That's what it's about. Yeah. You know, it is. Um, so any 
final thoughts about uh, Cobra Kai? It was just amazing. I just love just, it. It's just fun. It's it's. Um, <clears throat> oh gosh, I cannot think. It's nostalgic. There we go. Nostalgic. Because yeah. I, you know. We- <laughs> so I, I did the cut sign to my wife, and then she stopped talking. <laughs> no, don't, don't stop mid-sentence. Right. Stop when you're done. Uh, I'm not used to this yet. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to cut because I wanted to uh, explain something real quick to her. But uh, I'll be right back, you guys. Okay, we're back, you guys. Um, I just wanted her to know that if she's having a brain fart, she can cut and we'll pause. <laughs> so we can look it up because what we want, we're not trying to change or modify ourselves for you guys, but we also don't want a bunch of dead air on here either. So if we can cut, think of what we need to think of and then go, that's better than you having to listen to us. But I did think of the word. No, no, you did. No, you did fine. You did fine. I was just using that as an example. I know. Um, but go ahead, babe. Go ahead and finish uh, what so you're... it's just, it's very nostalgic because yeah. we were, we were the generation that saw the first Karate Kid when it came out. Yeah. And I was the generation of girls that were fawning all over Ralph Macchio. <laughs> it was like a 28-year-old right. pay, playing a 16-year-old. Well, but it's just, and it's well-written. The characters are feel real. Yeah. It's just fun. And it's, and it feels, I think what it, even if you were to say, oh, well, that's not entirely realistic, because obviously living in a karate world where everybody kick and punch each other would be so yeah. illegal, everybody wouldn't be in jail by now. Yeah. Well, but if you step aside and just, I think what they lack, because the writing is so well done, allegiances change, and what I like about it is that um, what what it does is it, I don't know if this is all written or if some of it's unrehearsed because it feels so real to me. And that's the thing is that the connective tissue of the storyline is so well done that it feels genuine, even if it is a little bit outlandish. Mm -hmm. And so they're doing a great job of having the heart. And that's what I like about the show is that it's teaching kids not to be bullied. It's teaching kids not to bully themselves it's teaching kids the value of discipline and hard work, and it's teaching kids the value that we learn karate so that we don't have to fight. And mm-hmm. I love all those messages, and I think yeah. they're really doing a great job of showing the badassery of karate, while not, um, you know, while not pushing, uh, you know, uh, hateful or or mm-hmm. violent. Uh, tendencies you know what i mean and i think it's great for all ages because kids can see that there's other kids going through what they're going through and see that adults are going through stuff also and vice versa adults kind of see what kids are what's happening with them and and that's what this show is all about is is we're everything we talk about is between the lines in other words we try to talk about all the things nobody has the balls to talk about not because it's controversial necessarily but because nobody wants to admit they're flawed. Nobody wants to admit they have mental health problems. Nobody wants to admit all of these insecurities that they have. And so at the end of the day, I would rather point to the elephant in the room and make it make sure that people know that we're all suffering in silence together. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's why I felt so compelled to do a show because not only was my life being sort of ran and controlled by corporate America... I wasn't seeing the value in it anymore. And that's not to say there is no value in it. It's just that a lot of times the agendas out there have no purpose. And that gets me to my next subject. You like that? That was pretty good. Isn't that pretty that's good? A good segue. A good segue, yeah. The subject is there's seemingly no passion, equality, or purpose out there except for what we make it. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So in other words, I'm not saying let's all become of radical disenchance. Let's not all become a bunch of militant leftists who are, you know, with our left-wing tiki torches, just like those crazies at uh, Charlottesville. No. I don't want to be radicalized people. I don't want people to get riled up. I don't. I want people to have um, some place they can go to when they're having a bad day that they can listen to people who are human and real and talk about real struggles in a very conversational and real way, so that people can see that you know maybe your parents like to bottle things up, but we here at Surviving Empathy Podcast we don't bottle up anything. We bring it all out into the open. So that we can reduce the stigma, so that we can empower people, and so that we can create a culture and economy that's filled with greater passion, greater equality, and greater purpose. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, what I'm fighting really is not a left versus right wing thing. It's not a anti-capitalism. It's just that we we need to put more conscience and passion and ourselves back into our society because, frankly... There is no personality out there in that. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you just, you're right. You do have to make of it what you can. And you can go into a job like mine, knowing the problems with it and hating the system and how it works. But you can try to make little changes from the inside and you can adjust your your state of mind to help you get through it better. Right. Well, for me, you know, whenever I would go for jobs, I always thought, well, I'm so overly experienced at cooking, for example, that I want to go into a job. And if I'm going to have to take, you know, pay cuts and quality of life cuts and all those things, that at least I would be in a position where they acknowledge my worth and acknowledge my experience so that I become sort of a mentor or teacher of sorts. And I always saw the way I picture it is always so different than how it turns out. And then I get out there and not only am I undervalued and underpaid, but they don't even respect my fucking experience. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. that's why I got tired of it because you, you know, you see yourself as a mentor and then you go out there and they're treating you like you're this baby bird that's never left the nest. Yeah. And that it's not that I am insecure it's that how do you get to people who are so convinced of your lack of experience or your lack of worth? How you you know you try you know it's like when I do something intellectual or profound, I write something and then my cousin's like, "Well, I can be smart too." It's like you all you do is, in other words, you, anytime you do anything great, somebody it makes somebody else insecure rather than them supporting you. Yeah, and that's how insecure our culture is yeah. becoming. Is that we don't even let people fly and be themselves anymore because we're so afraid that you know we're not going to measure up to other people's qualities. It's like no, we're. It's about letting everyone explore their worth, everybody explore their values, and to celebrate everybody's unique contribution to society. And unfortunately, you know, I don't expect every job to do that, like a you know, like a storybook. Mm-hmm. I, some storybook fairy tale or anything. Yeah. But I always had it pictured in myself that, hey, if I was going to be the older guy working these jobs, that at least they would give me the room to be myself and that I could be a mentor of sorts. But instead, they make you feel ridiculous and absurd, and then you just end up leaving uh, 10 times more pissed off than you were when you started because yeah. because you had yet another bad experience. Yeah. And, and that got me to the point where I'm like, you know what? I've tried every job. 
and they all turn out the same. They do not want to, unless you have already start out in a position of authority. That's the funny thing to me is that people give authority based on authority and a symbol rather than based on experience or based on quality of your content or quality of your heart. And so that's what really pisses me off is that you could have the worst boss ever, but because everyone knows he's the boss because he's got that supervisor tag on, everyone kisses his ass, even though he's probably a lot of them, not all, but a lot Mm -hmm. of them just aren't worth their weight in what they say they are. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of good quality people who deserve higher, but because they're so humble, they don't have those positions. And that's where you start to learn how much ego and narcissism it requires and arrogance it requires to become a boss in many situations because it forces you to fight in that superficial realm that people like myself are too evolved for. I don't want to live in that world. No. You know? Me neither. So, (laughs) anyways. And so at the end of the day, I want to create a world that is full of passion and creativity. And I don't expect the world to all turn into, you know, a bunch of kumbaya hippies in an artist colony, you know? No. I'm just saying that... Everybody's worth is different based on their experience and their knowledge. So I would not hold my chiropractor. Ooh, I had a thing. Sorry. (laughs) I would not hold my chiropractor buddy, for example, up at the same level of me in the culinary arts. While he wouldn't do that with me in chiropractic, we all have our different varied Mm -hmm. skills. Yeah, we do. And that's what makes things work because everybody meshes their. Exactly. And in any commune or any community, you're supposed to do what you do best. Yeah. You know, but yeah. the problem I'm seeing is that corporatism and capitalism is creating a world of so much gross immaturity and inequality and lacking in creativity that we're all sort of becoming numb to to it all. And and we're we're growing so uh, um, needy financially and emotionally and what have you that we're all acquiescing to their tyranny rather than fighting back. And I'm not trying to rile people up or get them radicalized in any way. I just want people to understand their rights so that they can start in the long term creating goals and exit strategies from those tyrannical jobs, those unequal jobs, so that you get a greater sense of accomplishment out of who you are. Because at the end of the day, all the knowledge that I have doesn't serve any bit of good if I'm making 12 bucks an hour working part-time over at Lowe's and they're all treating me like I'm some third-rate hood because I'm a 40-year-old having to work at Lowe's because they are too young to understand because they like to think, oh, well, by the time I'm 40, I'm going to be the manager. I'm going to be all these important things, right? And so, yeah, Yeah. almost it's almost like an admission of inferiority when you take a job beyond your experience. Um, and then people will treat you as such. A good example is um, when I left my job at the Army. I always say Army base, by the way. It's Army post, and I know that. That's just a – it's just a simplification. We just say Army base, but it's actually mm-hmm. – Armies don't have bases. They only have posts. And Air Force bases don't have posts. They have bases. So there's oh, the difference. That's my fun fact there you, for the day. There's your fun fact <laughs> for the day, yeah. Um, so, But when I worked at the Army post – um, I left that job and I got a job at a, a pizza joint. Uh, it's a chain now, but it started in uh, one town and then I ended up in a different town. And within two weeks, I mean, they, they didn't even re- I worked there for five years and they were bad mouthing me at every little thing. And I just realized you 
cannot get to some people. You are not going to earn the respect of some people. At the end of the day, when you go out into the real world, here you have all this abundance of worth, this abundance of knowledge, abundance of kindness, and then you try to take that and put it in a real-life circumstance, and oftentimes you're not going to get there because by the very admission that you need this job, somehow, in some way, you're diminishing your value and worth, and people don't want to listen to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Definitely happens. And so that's yeah. all I want to do is empower people and start getting people to start thinking in the long term. I'm not saying quit your job today. If you need to pay your dues still or if you need to pay your bills still, yeah. <laughs> don't quit those jobs. I'm just saying, though, that eventually, though, we should all be arriving eventually at a place of finding who we really want to be. That's all. That doesn't mean necessarily quitting that job. It could mean incorporating something else into the fold, you mm-hmm. know, um, working that job part time while you're finding yourself. Because I want at yeah. the end of the day for everybody to find not only their equality, but finding what they're best suited at so that they can feel a sense of value and purpose and who they are and what they're doing. Because at the end of the day, I don't know. I have not even when I worked very important jobs as a chef, I felt simply like a slave. And, and that's the thing is I love the culinary arts. But as soon as you become a line cook, all that fun, all that exploration, all that cultural um, knowledge. The art is gone. The art is gone, right? It becomes transactional. Now you're just a guy slopping vittles for, uh, for the army there, you know? Yeah. And so that's the thing we have to try to do is try, in a big, 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 giant, big world – how do we maintain that personal touch? How do we maintain that uh, value in ourselves and who we are and what we're doing in a world that largely ignores and, and runs right over us, you know? Yeah, it's hard to do. Yeah. So there's two things here I have written, and they kind of go together. Um, how to deal with media, politics, and all the hype and hoopla out there um, without letting it get to you. And then how to temper our expectations when it comes to progress in our politics or progress in our own life. Um, The truth is, you guys, is that there is no simple solution for this. Um, I was a political junkie from way back. I think I started back in the Bush years. That's when I was becoming familiar with procedure and, and policy. And then I started learning when Obama became president is when I really started getting excited about politics because it felt like change could happen. Change was a real thing. And then after that, Trumpism came and told us that fuck your feelings and fuck hope and change and that we're going to go back to being a a, a one-man autocracy. And that was weird, but it forced me to pay attention to politics like a sentinel. I felt like I needed to pay attention because I felt like I needed to arm myself uh, to protect myself and my worries. Or, yeah, oh, you know? for sure. Um, and so there is no easy answer to this, you guys. Um, but we, now that Biden is president, I'm not saying don't be critical. If you need to be critical, you have to force our leaders to care. And that's the thing about, like, with this whole um, COVID thing, they just dropped the ball, all of them. And then my friend the other day on Facebook said it's all Biden's fault. I'm like, how is it Biden's fault? It's the Senate and the house's fault too. Oh, it's all. It's, but it's all, it's all of them, right? Yeah, but I just absolutely. sometimes it. I, it's not that I take it personal because I don't. Ha- I I voted for Biden, but he wasn't my first choice. But I just feel like after Trumpism, to have the audacity to be highly critical of Biden when we had ten times worse just a year ago, 
feels to me like it's not that I because I do believe we should hold them accountable. Absolutely. Um, But it feels to me like we're all staying in our political camps and tribes and that people are overly critical of Biden because their guy didn't get in. You know, if you're much more progressive than Biden. And so I just feel like I take that not personally, but I take exception to it because it's not because I'm pushing for Biden's agenda. Um, It's just that I think that um, everything's become so politicized that um, the far left progressives are trying to toe the line of progress in our sort of centrist world. And I believe that's a good thing. But I also believe that we're much more harsh on Biden than we ever were on anybody else. And I just feel like, you know, it's like people who don't want to vote for Biden at all because their guy lost and then Trump wins. You know, that's Mm -hmm. what it feels like is going to happen if we don't pay attention to incremental uh, progress. Uh, You know, but, but I... I'm so sick to death of our politics right now because we have such a short margin uh, that nothing's getting passed. And we've got two people holding up everything, Joe Manchin and Kristen, Kirsten Cinema, And those two are using that limelight to feel important and special and try to make more money. I'm sure all the moneyed interests have been knocking on their door. Mm-hmm. And that's what I yeah. hate about politics in and of itself is the, the sense of urgency is gone. It's gone. And when every, when huge multi-billion dollar infrastructure packages are held up by two people, I just find that ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so I can't pay attention anymore. I can't either. I, I try was... I pay attention just enough to say to see the progress when it happens. But I can't pay enough attention to be pissed off all the time. Yeah. And upset about it because well, it's I would be. Right. And so the only reason why I say people need to be political in our society is so that we can continue to uh, fight for progress and fight for regular working people. That being said, I don't want it to become your full-time job because you will get disappointed. You will burn out and you will become jaded. And in that, you will lose all hope and then you'll stop pushing for progress. So you have to do it in a way where you uh, keep your values in check and in place and, and hold the line where you can. But make sure you're not putting too much effort into it because you will burn out. And then at the end of the day, you're no good to us if you've completely died and your yeah. your ashes are sitting there, and you and then you don't vote in the next uh, mid, midterm elections or something. Yeah. You know, so we have to find that balance, that equilibrium. Because I honestly, I hate politics. That's why I'm not watching it right now. Um, but I am a, a progressive, and I do believe that we need to create more equality, more infrastructure in our society. And so I'm just one of those hopeful uh, progressives that's like. I just pay attention enough to see what's going on, but not so much that I grow completely uh, disenchanted because at the end of the day, it will bum you out. And my only answer, honestly, is you guys is you have to understand the truest nature of the world, the truest nature of the universe, the truest nature of politics, so that you can fight it on its terms. So because if you go into that denial mode and you deny what's real then you're you're not fighting what's real and so we have to know our enemy we have to know what's out there good and bad so that we can then eventually create the change we want um in the long term so yeah i'm but i'm not all that optimistic right now i don't think we're going to get any infrastructure deals 
and we're going to continue to get this back and forth nonsense. And then they've completely, because of this infrastructure package, have dropped the ball on COVID and all these other mm-hmm. things because they're not in vogue anymore. Yeah. It's like something's in the limelight for a while, and then it kind of, eh, what was that? I don't remember. Yeah, you know? people get tired of it, so then yeah. it's not the politics of the it. day, and so, so it just gets yeah. pushed behind. Yeah, and so I just I don't have an easy answer other than. Uh, don't put too much effort into it, really. And don't get too burnt out, because if you burn out, you're not going to vote in the midterms. You're not going to toe the line where you need to. So all I can say to you guys who are into politics or at least into change is that make change where you can. But the the most amount of change you can make, you guys, is change in your own personal life. If you can't change the world, then you have to play in that world. And there is no easy answer to that. But I, I think the biggest answer is, is, if you can't become, if you can't turn the world into a big kumbaya socialist Bernie Sanders uh, thing, then at least create a society or a life for yourself where you feel like you're um, growing and um, doing things that don't get don't go against your own values. That said, you're you're still going to have to participate in capitalism, but do so on your terms. That's what yeah. that is all about. That learning and growth is to teach you where you should be going. And you can only do that if you continue to learn, continue to be teachable, and continue to be humble so that you understand, you know, you might know a lot about a lot of things, but at the end of the day, you have to continue to learn because if you completely give up on politics altogether, then you're no help to the movement. And so we have to find that happy medium of watching without watching too closely. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Balance. Yeah, like everything, like everything. So tempering our expectations is really where it's at. And there is no easy way of doing that other than to fill your life with as much magic and as much opportunity and possibility as you can. And if you're not where you want to be, then to start, if you can dream it, you can envision it. And if you can envision it, you can make it happen. But that is such a catch all that. There's all kinds of pitfalls with that. But if you know the truest reality of life, you can work within that framework. In other words, use the system against itself if you can. You know, that's mm-hmm. where it's all about. It's not about deluding yourself. It's about, you know, being above the curve, being ahead of the curve. If you understand the rules, then you can use those rules to your advantage. That's all I can say. It's kind of like chess. Yeah. Chess is a strategy game. So is life. And so you can only learn and prepare and do the best you can. But honestly, my way is to lose the jobs that are making me feel bad and start focusing on those who I can help. Become the healer. Become the carers in our community. And that's what I'm trying to do, uh, even in, you know, in whatever capacity I can. You know, um, I, I can't. Prove it to you guys, but I promise you, you know, if you told me that you needed money for food, I would send it to you, you know, because that's who we have to become. We have to become the healers and the carers in this world. And the only way to do that is to either live it all the way or or reject it entirely. And that's why I'm all in, baby. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Me so, too. I'm trying to say. What was that? I'm trying to be all in on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so I have here uh, belief versus disbelief, because I think a lot of people, oopsie, rookie mistake, um, I believe in our culture that um, a lot of people pin themselves on 
their identities on whether they believe or don't believe in something. And so you see all these Christians and all these atheists and all in their little separate camps. And then whether you believe in the paranormal or don't believe in the paranormal. Um, my friend Idris today made a really good point. She's like, well, maybe my reality, what I see, is different than what you see because I'm, for whatever reason, allowed to see different things than what you're allowed to see. And her, mm-hmm. her example was with the Menahui, which is a topic of these uh, they're cryptids in Hawaii. They're supposed to be little pygmy people. But it, it is said, and I, I'm not sure yet if I'm going to do an episode on it, but I want to. Uh, because it has to meet certain criteria in order to do an entire episode mm-hmm. on. Yeah. I won't get into that. But um, she said that only uh, Polynesians and real Hawaiians by blood can see them at all. And so I thought, oh, that's interesting. And so that, you know, it's kind of like maybe we can see things based on our belief. And so maybe if we don't open ourselves to something, um, it makes us less likely to see it. And that includes ghosts. Definitely. Yeah. Because sure. if you're so closed off to it, you're not going to be receptive to it. You might be rejecting that energy, and that negative energy could, I don't know, scare away ghosts perhaps? I don't know. And I think that's why kids see things a lot more often, because they don't know to close themselves off yet. Yeah. They haven't built those barriers or those walls. Exactly. And, and when I talk about being an atheist on the show, I think that upsets a lot of people, because I'm not one of those stringent atheists that's anti-Christian. I used to be a Christian. I'm simply, I'm a, I'm a believer in a lot of things. And so I call myself a believer. And, uh, I'm not a skeptic trying to believe. I'm a believer trying to be skeptical. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and that, it, it, with the exception of God. But the point is, is that I don't pin myself in a camp of belief versus disbelief. You know, we watch a, a YouTube channel called Casper Sight. And he made a really good comparison. He says, you'll go a long time where you're just watching nothing but lousy paranormal videos and your belief will start to diminish. It starts to sink like you're running out of gas, you know. And then you'll come upon something that reignites the magic, that reignites your belief again because it's so compelling. And so there was these videos that he was watching that we watched with him that helped me, my belief, to grow. And so the point is, you guys, is that if you are around people all the time that are cynical and negative, of course you're going to feel encapsulated in that energy because you're a part of that. And so how do you dig your way and claw your way out of negative things, negative energy? And that's the thing about belief, too, is that perhaps we can only believe, see things that we are open-minded to believing. And so... That doesn't believe, mean that I naturally think, oh, yes, well, then God must be real. I just closed myself off to it. No, I was open to it for many, many years. Um, but the point is, is that I don't, I don't label myself a believer or a disbeliever. I am simply trying to uncover the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm a be- soft believer who wants to become a hard believer, but I'm sometimes a hard, a soft disbeliever until proven otherwise. And so... So that's the problem sometimes with skepticism is that skepticism can very easily grow into cynicism. And there's a difference that skepticism is built on facts, whereas cynicism is based on pessimism. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So I don't want people to become pessimists. I want people to think rationally. Um, but if people believe you know, in uh, the healing power of, of 
energy and the healing power of crystals, for example. I have crystals in my bedroom. I, I am a soft disbeliever, but I'm also a hopeful believer. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, energy is intention. And so if those, it's kind of like holy water. The, the energy is intention. If that priest or rabbi or whoever blesses that water, he's put his energy into it, and therefore it has healing powers. It's not the water. It's the belief that it's been blessed by a, a higher power that creates that energy, and that energy is what gives that holy water power. So in the same capacity, I certainly believe that when we energetically open ourselves to belief, uh, we're more likely to see things that we might not otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's I not agree. that we're blindly believing. It's that we, you have to remain positive and, and remain you know, open-minded to the possibility of things. Because if you close your mind off at the word go, you're just not going to see anything. You know? Yeah, that's very true. So, I, I yeah. definitely believe that. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I don't label myself a liberal. I don't label myself certain things because once you label yourself something, you can then be open to a psychic attack on those things. Kind of like on Facebook, for example, if you label yourself a liberal, then conservatives are going to, they're not going to fight your argument. They're going to fight with you, the person. Mm -hmm. And so if you can keep it about the topic at hand, then you remove those labels that that make people assume certain things about you. And so yeah. am I liberal? Yes. Am I progressive? Yes. But that doesn't mean that I subscribe to cancel culture or that I subscribe to woke the woke culture. I think it does go too far sometimes. That being said, I do in spirit fight for what they believe in, but I think there's a way of doing it that's not so heavy handed. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. So at the end of the day, it's not, it doesn't matter to me whether or not my followers are believers in God or believers in the paranormal. Um, my belief systems are fluid based on my experiences. And so I believe in UFOs because I've seen one when I was 19. I believe in the astral world because I astral projected one time and it scared the shit out of me. And I know that sounds crazy, but... I know my truth, you know. It's like couples are true. I know my truth. You know your okay, everybody. Um, but no, I do. I feel like I know that there is a ethereal world out there, but I don't know how complex it is, and I don't know to what extent. I do know that physical human beings, carbon-based life forms, are not meant to be there. But we do have energy, and we can harness that energy in a way where we can take a peek behind the curtain. Um, but that's the thing about being a carbon-based critter is that we can only take peaks behind it. We can't get full, you know, big looks so that we can start describing it. And that's why when people like Siv- Sylvia Brown or certain people come out who say, hey, I've seen it, I've seen it, we pay attention to that person. But then nine times out of ten, we find out that person is a fraud or a hoaxer or a charlatan because they're grifting on the fact that they ha- they may have real psychic powers – but do they have this mastery of the paranormal or the, of the other side? Not yeah. Probably not. And that's why I, I did an episode where I talked about uh, be careful who you, you know, lend this power to because those people become very wealthy and very powerful 
and they're doing it for their ego and their wealth. They're not doing it to help people. And so I'm not saying, you know, don't become successful. I'm saying if you're going to become successful, make sure that you're doing it and you're coming correct and you're not trying to say you're a master of something. When How can you master the metaphysical? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't do no. it. You might be a practicing person in that. You might dabble, Mm -hmm. but I don't see how you could become that. And then a lot of people nowadays, um, the cult of YouTube, the cult of personality, the cult. I mean, I'm a public figure, but I'm not trying to get y'all to like subscribe to some craziness. I just want you to be yourself and to, you know, do what's right and feel good about yourself and empower yourself. And, and, and take my advice or leave it. You know, I'm not trying to make any money off of that. I don't I don't say, oh, I'm a paranormal um, master. Whatever you don't know about it, I'll tell you. No, it doesn't work that mm-hmm. way. You yeah, know, that, that, like that girl on YouTube, you know, I'm glad she dabbles. I think it's fascinating. But but she's she's kind of hailing herself as this one stop shop for everything new age. And it's and it's working. It's she's getting other people to believe that they're surrendering their own belief and they're surrendering their own mastery and understanding of of the ethereal in in lieu of somebody else's depiction of it. And I I'm not saying don't give that person credit. I'm saying don't give a person so much credit that you then put yourself underneath or below somebody else. That's not a hierarchy. You no. it's a man made thing. And when we reward influencers who don't come correct we're perpetuating lies we're perpetuating uh, fallacies and we don't want to do that it's not to say that we can't uh, learn and grow in these various fields but we have to know where to draw the line your worth and value is just as valid as hers yeah but if she's making a bunch of money off this new age stuff what's to stop her from becoming full-blown you know into herself and it becomes almost like this cult of her rather than the subject at hand so i want it to be about those topics not about the person you know what i mean yeah and you just have to keep an eye out for that and be careful of it and just kind of be healthily skeptical of help right that's all i was saying exactly right um so uh, i have here uh, why we keep it real and don't try to hide ourselves or our imperfections I truly believe that a lot of YouTubers out there, a lot of podcasters uh, are trying to um, create an image of themselves of sort of perfection, of uh, intellectual perfection or auditorial or video perfection, whether it be in their looks or in their image or in their branding. Um, I want you guys to know that I have a kitty cat at home. I don't care if you hear scratching the cat box. Um, I... I get sad. I get depression. I have bad days. I burp. I fart. I poop. You know, like, I really do believe we get further in life when we just come correct. And and I want other people to be okay with being human and imperfect, too. And and you you can't get people to be okay with themselves if you yourself aren't okay with yourself first. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that's what that's, that's all about. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's practicing what you're preaching. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And if I do someday become more popular or famous or wealthy from this, I'm never going to stop being at the root of myself who I am. I enjoy being who I am. I like this. I like myself because I'm finally at a point where I can be open and expressive and free, and that is so empowering. And that's what I want for you guys as well. Yeah. 
you know. Yep. So I, I really quickly, we don't have a ton of time, but I wanted to briefly say that the reason why we're doing this, you guys, is because of our story. We are not special. We are not unique. Am I an empath? Yes. But I believe that six out of ten people are probably at some level of being empathic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a matter of uh, where that dial is. Some people's, you know, antenna, like myself, go up to nine or ten. Some people's antennas uh, go, you know, two or three. And some people's, like psychics, might go up to 13, 14, you know. Um, We are all tuning into the vibes and energy out there at different times in different amounts. And so it's not about, oh, hey, I'm the big, super important empath and you're just a Padawan learner. No, I'm just saying as an empath, this is what I experience and hopefully you'll gain some something from that. You know, but our we are coming from a backstory of imperfect mental health. We both suffer from depression. Um, mine's more situational. Rebecca's is a little bit more clinical, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it, it definitely has lots of situational aspects to it. But sure. at the at the core of it, it's yeah, it's yeah. Because I I truly and sincerely believe that I will never get rid of fully my mental health problems. But that a lot of my mental health problems seem to be because of, of anger, frustration, worry, and fear over finances, financial stuff. And that's so unfortunate yeah. that we would live in a world still where finances dictates everything that we are and everything that we do. And that's why I'm trying to tell you guys, find know the real world, understand it implicitly, but then if you want the world to be a magical place... You create the magic in your own life through your own decisions. So I don't have all the answers. I just know what works for me. And what works for me is trying to be an open book so people can learn that, hey, you can be smart and be passionate and still be imperfect. That you don't have to have this image of perfection. You don't have to be buff or muscular. You don't have to have perfect hits. You don't have to have perfect hair or perfect face. You be you. And there's something gorgeous and beautiful about being yourself because when you're yourself you're you're open and expressive and free and that's where the beauty comes from it's i mean yes or some physical beauty might help a little but um i don't know i'm very as an empath um i see beauty in beautiful people but i also see a lot of ugliness in beautiful people too and Mm -hmm. i don't want anything to do with beautiful hateful people i don't want anything to do with attractive people who have a bad soul no, you know, no, definitely not. And so I really do believe that beauty comes from within. So that's what yeah. we're about. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, Rebecca and I, we are lower middle class. We are poor. We are the working poor. Um, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden we lack value or that we, oh, we couldn't possibly give you guys advice because, well, you haven't figured it out yourself. So how on earth could you possibly have any value to us? Well, because I'm figuring it out in real time as I go, as I'm becoming an influencer, as I'm becoming a public figure, as I'm getting better at learning about myself and growing as myself, I can pass that on to you in real time. And so my success story is coming from the fact that I fully embraced who I am, and that allows me to have better better mental health and to make choices that affect how I feel about myself. Because if I don't do something that feels good to me, everything else will fall to the wayside. You can't 
You can't get chocolate cake out of dirt. You got to put the good <laughs> ingredients in. You know, if you yeah. put all the ingredients in place, you're more likely to get something resembling chocolate cake. It's something less resembling what they want for you. Corporate America wants for you. You know, we can't yeah. let that happen. We yeah. have to find our specialness, you know. Yes, we do. Yeah. So uh, I have here why I did so many shows about mental health and why I'm not doing more stuff on the paranormal. Um, that has a lot to do with the fact that after Halloween, um, I get sort of burnt out on horror movies. I get sort of burnt out on the paranormal. Um, I A lot of what I care about the paranormal is because we spend a lot of time watching paranormal shows, reading about the paranormal, et cetera, et cetera. And so right now we're just not reading or watching enough on it. And so yeah. that leaves me room to take more time to think about what is important right now. And to me, what's more important than ghosts and creepy crawlies? Mental health and life. We're all trying to survive this real world. And so, yeah, I like talking about mental health when it's relevant to myself, but also relevant because it's winter. And I think we're all going through it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the time of year when... For a large part of the world, the the weather's crappy, so you're kind of inside, you're more introspective, you're mm-hmm. more... And I kind of go into Christmas mode for December and January. Yeah, like, we kind of... We have the creepy go in, stuff. I, like, yeah. I, liked, I, just, I, I got Christmas for two months, and then the rest of the year, and then we 10 go, months of creepy shit. By January, we're back into it again. <laughs> Here I am wearing my... Um, Terrifier T-shirts and my mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm so, Street, my yeah. Nightmare, so nightmare Before Christmas. So the end of January and then, yeah. then it's all spooky all the yeah, time. Yeah, because we're pretty much 24-7, you know, 12 months out of the year spookies. Yeah. Um, but then we take a couple months off but for I love Christmas. Christmas so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mix it up. Well, and I think once it becomes who you are, it, it just doesn't matter. Like, I don't even notice anymore that I'm wearing paranormal shirts. So I just mm-hmm. put on a shirt and I go, just, oh. Yeah, exactly. But that's why... But that's why I allow myself to buy so many t-shirts. Because if I had one, like, thing that is my problem, like, what is your problem? My problem is, like, hers? Go ahead. What is it? My problem is makeup. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a problem with makeup. She can. It's never-ending, bottomless pit of makeup and makeup needs. It it's like, yeah, okay. you know. It but is. I let her have that because it's fun for her. And for me, it's t-shirts. And so do I have... Too many T-shirts and probably shirts that will never be worn. Yes, is that a problem? Probably. But the, the the reason why I do it is because I have about five or six, maybe seven different sides to me that I need to explore. And when I'm when I want to empower myself, I know that sounds silly, but when I want to empower myself, some days I'm feeling nerdy, and that's when I put on my Star Trek T-shirts or my Star Wars T-shirts. When I'm feeling like uh, where I need bravery, right? Or I'm feeling like my inner soldier or my inner Boy Scout. I wear Captain America or Superman, mm-hmm. my inner yeah. Boy Scout, the inner wholesomeness. Mm-hmm. In. Um, when I'm feeling uh, angry at the world, I wear Dexter. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're or all horror multifaceted, stuff. and it, you, yeah, you need to pay attention to that. Don't right. put yourself into a box and say you have to be this one thing all the time. Yeah, we well, aren't and, like that. You know, and is there a certain magic number of shirts that I need where it'll be fulfilled? Probably not. No. That's the thing is I have way too many shirts, you guys. I admit it. I have a fucking problem, y'all. <laughs> but at the end of the day. But that's okay. Yeah, I do it's it because thing. it's fun and, and it gives me, like I said, I have five or six to seven categories of different sides to myself that that satisfies. 
When I'm feeling a little punk rock, I put on my metal shirts. When I'm feeling a little irreverent, I wear my heavy metal, Slayer, Metallica, Linkin Park, you know, The Offspring, Alice in Chains, sure. When I'm feeling um, more wholesome or or sometimes I'm feeling broken and defeated and emotional, I get in this like emotional goo where I'm emotionally feeling very touchy-feely. And that's usually when I need something a little more wholesome. So I'll go towards Superman or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. You know, um, sure. so yeah, it just satisfies my different sides to myself. And I think that's what we all should do. Um, and then how do I yeah. keep it from becoming a problem is all the T-shirts are black. And that way it always matches with whatever I'm wearing. <laughs> and that also kind of speaks to my spooky side. And it kind of yep. it gives me a twofer. Now, I have shirts of other colors, but... You know, I do that for simplicity because I always I always wanted to be the guy who had seven pairs of the same clothes. Because like in the army, I love that. I don't have to choose. I don't have to decide yeah. what I'm wearing. Oh, I loved it. Um, the only choice we had in the army is whether to wear our, our summers or our winters. But they looked exactly <laughs> the same. You know? um, but at the end of the day, that's what I want is I want I wish I had that simplicity because then it frees up your life and your mind to do other things. Cause you can really get too caught up on image and too caught up in how you dress and what to wear. And so if I can simplify that, I think that's a good way of doing it. But for me, it works. Um, but you know, it does. Yeah. Yeah. We've all got our things. I think we should all allow ourselves that that. one thing that we're completely bad at. I've got a couple things. (laughs) We'll love it. What's your other one? (laughs) Well, Nail polish, not as much as it used to be. Because I have gotten rid of a lot of that, and I'm not as mm-hmm. into it. It's kind of cross-stitch now. now yeah. I've got binders of patterns. Will I ever sew all those patterns? No. Probably But not. I love looking at them and thinking about the possibility and of it. And kidding, and getting all my kit together and sure. getting... it's Yeah. So that, that's my new Whatever thing. keeps you guys, your mind and body healthy, and whatever keeps your soul alive, you know, is what it's about. And if you have a little bit of a problem with one thing... But you're not, you know, going bankrupt because of it. Then do it. Have fun. Yep. Exactly. I still buy t-shirts, and yet I have how many shirts do I have in there? Two hundred, maybe. Same with me and makeup. Yeah, but it's, it's a problem. I, usually, I, I try to look for sales. Yeah. So you know. Well, yeah, I still look for sales. I still, I'm be. still thrifty. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't exactly. think that'll ever go away. Like if I were to ever get rich, I don't think I could ever stop being that way. I would still look for sales. Now, does that mean that I would always be thrifty? Probably not. I'd splurge. But yeah. I think that when you when you grow up poor, like we did, you're always going to think thriftily. You're always yeah. going to look for sales, look for the day-old bread, you know, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> not splurge on the overpriced things because that's just how we were raised, you know. And the fabulous thing these days that kind of helps enable all these things is that most uh, companies for makeup and shirts and all kinds of things offer payments now. Oh. Which is pretty fabulous. Though. Don't get me but- started. I love it. <laughs> <I> <laughs> like the PayPal does the four pay uh-huh. and now even Amazon has a multiple pay. Like, And that was how we were able to it get um, this air purifier from my mom because yeah. it was $100, and we didn't have $100 at the yeah. time, but I so have 20 it actually allows people so. that don't have the money right mm-hmm. off the bat. You can you can treat yourself and, and it, not go And it builds your credit, it. I would assume. Yeah, probably. You know? so, so, yeah. But, yeah. Absolutely. It's a good thing. So let yourself Didn't have say a that? problem with one thing, so long as it's not alcohol or something that's hurting you. <laughs> yep. I got one problem, and it's just debilitating alcoholism. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Right. Yeah. Nothing like that. The, no. <laughs> No, make sure your habits are good for your soul. Is all. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so so at the end of the day, you guys, this is what we'll end on is um, who this show is for and what this is all about and why this is. Um, at the end of the day, you guys, it, it has to do with... Uh-oh. <laughs> Kitty cat. Hold on, you guys. So yeah, I told you. Unedited. Unscripted. So at, when it, when you boil everything down and if you were to um, distillate your thoughts into one phrase or sentence or ideology, at the end of the day, why do I do the empath show? Why do I do surviving empathy? Why am I trying to help empaths? Why do I talk about the paranormal? Why do I talk about mental health? Blah, blah, blah. The reason is, you guys, if I distillate it into one sentence, it's that I want something to believe in. Think about that. You know, I am an atheist. I don't want to be an atheist. Not really. I do believe in skepticism, healthy skepticism, that we should apply skepticism to our life in order to understand fiction from reality. But I also believe that there is an ethereal world, a mysterious world, and then, and that's what we try to explore is that line between reality and surreality. What is out there beyond our scope? Uh, we cannot measure invisible things, and so we can't for sure know whether or not dark matter or string theory is real. We can't for sure know that uh, ghosts are real. Cryptids elude us. And so I always feel like the way we do that is by slowly but surely making it our mission to find something to believe in. And so do I want at the end of the day to believe in God? Yes. Not necessarily the God in the Bible per se, because I think that because it well, sometimes he's like a super nice guy and sometimes he's super mean and rude and cruel. It's like, nah, I don't yeah. need some archaic 2000 God, you know, the the way it was written 2,000 years mm-hmm. ago. I, I, that's why I like, even churches are like, well, we're upgraded. It's like, yeah, but there's no new scripts. What did you update with? Right. Exactly. They had to have done something, you know, but what it boils down to is they wanted to modernize religion so that's more palatable to modern sensibilities. And so, oh, you know, I'm fine with that. But at the end of the day, I want something to believe in. I believe in the power of, I don't believe in society. I do not believe in the human race, but I do believe in the power of individuals. And when we and I believe in the power of community. And the problem with that is that as soon as somebody becomes too big, they almost lose their credibility. You know, like when you like Joe Rogan when he was an up and comer, I supported him. Now that he's super famous and he's shit talking and mad dogging about COVID all the time and talking about taking horse pills and whatever. I, I just think he's gotten too overblown. And so he's become too big. And now he is a cult object. He's the leader of just like Trumpism, a leader of a cult that doesn't really care about facts versus fiction. And so we're not trying to make you guys believe in things that aren't real we're trying to explore and expose what could be, the possibilities of what's real. And so at the end of the day, if God shows himself, guess what, you guys? My mission is not to find out that God isn't real. My mission is to find out what is real and what isn't. And so that doesn't come with any uh, preconceived notions. Whatever I dig up and whatever I find is what is going to guide my thinking. 
And so at the end of the day, I hope, hey, maybe five years from now, I'll be that Christian guy who talks about ghosts if I find compelling evidence to believe. But at the end of the day, I don't think that's going to happen. And so I, I would rather, instead of trying to believe in the power of prayer, it's nothing against God. It's nothing against religion. It's just that we've tried thoughts and prayers, and it doesn't always go very well. That's not to say that we shouldn't pray. Like, if praying and prayer helps, go for it. But for me, I want people to create coalitions, and those coalitions to create movements, and those movements to create political capital so that we can create real change. Boots on the ground stuff. you know. And so what I want to do is I want to empower empaths. I want to empower people who believe in the paranormal and who just have a fascination in it doesn't mean you have to believe in all of it i don't but i am a soft believer mm-hmm. but i try to apply Same. rational skepticism where applicable because i don't want to just you know be about all this stuff for no reason if i really truly believe ghosts weren't real i don't think i could do a show on it because what is there to explore your mind is set on the fact that this isn't real so why would you want to perpetuate deception if if you don't think it's real i sincerely believe that it is real but yes like casper vision you know your your belief in everything peaks and wanes depending on what's going on in your life your life and your thoughts are always fluid so at the end of the day i'm always teetering from soft believer to soft to disbeliever and, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and back and forth, depending on what's going on in my life. And so it's not that I completely run out of hope or completely run out of belief, um, but it does peak and wane. When you see nothing but bad stuff in the world, it's hard to believe that there's some mystical God figure out there trying to better and improve our lives or our world. And so I just think it's dangerous to put prayer and belief in front of reality, that we should try to make the change ourselves. And then when we make the change, perhaps God will meet us halfway. And I've called that the God 401k plan, that when you put in the effort, perhaps God or the universe will meet you halfway. It doesn't matter to me what other people believe, so long as they're happy, so long as they're doing their thing. This is not a show to shit on Christians or to shit on conservatives or shit on anything that goes against my beliefs. It's simply that here's what I believe and this is why And this is what makes it compelling to me. And if you're going to believe in something, make sure that you're not believing in things that can uh, hurt you or toxify you or make you believe things that could eventually hurt you. I I mean, imagine if you were a faith healer and your dad has a heart attack or a stroke and he's laying there on the floor and you don't believe in medicine. So you're going to faith heal his ass and then he dies I'm just saying, you guys, you got to, you know, when the, where the rubber meets the road, we have to, when our beliefs don't go challenged, it's easy to continue those beliefs. And so always change and modify and change your beliefs and update and grow and evolve. And, and that's what I feel like we're doing on this show. That's what the mission is. If the mission were to take me towards Christianity, so be it. I don't think that's going to happen. But the point is, is that I'm not trying to create a movement based on, you know, because a lot of that's, I think, what a lot of people do. That's what Joe Rogan does is he he moved to Austin from L.A. to get away from all those liberals. And now he's becoming more and more conservative and less and less open-minded to progress. And while I can agree that sometimes the progressive liberal movement gets a little, I don't know, you know, heavy-handed, if you will, 
So does the right-wing movement. Why is he more attracted to the right-wing movement than the left-wing movement? Because it shows strength. But if that strength isn't rooted in reality, then strength in through reality is no stronger than disbelief in reality. So I just think, you know, at the end of the day, we don't reverse engineer our beliefs. To, we don't reverse engineer the facts to match what we believe. We let the facts discover what we believe and we evolve and we grow you know yeah so you got anything yeah. else for us baby not really yeah i, I just we've, we've we talked about a lot today yeah at the end of the day you guys that's what i want you guys to see is that this show isn't about pooping on others for being different it's it's yes i sometimes take issue with conservatives because i believe that movement is getting a little dangerous sometimes uh, sometimes I get a little on Christians because thoughts and prayers don't work. It's not to say that prayer never works. Perhaps it works in p- people's personal lives, but it's not taking care of, like, for example, school shootings or something like that. We need good legislation. We need proper policies to fix that. And we need boots on the ground, real action to solve that with. So at the end of the day, I don't want to be that kind of person that poo-poos others for being different. I I'm an inclusive person. I naturally believe that we, Rebecca and I, we grew up poor. We grew up harsh. We had a lot of mental health problems because we dealt with such harsh, grueling realities. And now we're put in a position where we can really help you guys because we've been through exactly what you're going through. We're going through it. And we're still going (laughs) through it. Right. And so we're here to help each other. So that's what it's all about. Yeah. So... And I uh, never thought I would be so involved in this podcast because you know me and my hate of talking, introvertism. my introvertism, and yeah. my. Um, so that's been that's been an area that I've grown in because I never would have dreamed yeah. that I would be yeah as involved in something like well, this. and you would have never given attitude to customers no uh, back in the day, no. and now you've grown into someone who sticks up for yourself yeah, and I don't know if that's simply because of my influence or because of you know whatever because of age and experience just age and experience right and you've had some hand in it well thank you i try to empower you i don't i don't want my wife to to cook for me to clean for me to (laughs) that's good (laughs) because i don't cook (laughs) yeah yeah i'd be i'd be dead by now i mean if i no no i believe in the inherent equality of all people i believe in egalitarianism. I believe that hierarchies serve their purpose in the military and they can sometimes serve their purpose in jobs and such, but we put too much emphasis on title and and, and hierarchy and not enough emphasis on personal responsibility and personal character. And so I just feel that if we're going to get somewhere in this world, we got to empower all the little people. They say that the meek shall inherit the earth. Well, if the meek shall inherit the earth, why haven't they then? It's because they haven't been empowered. And so here I am to try to get the meek to inherit that earth. So to take what's yours, not in a forceful way, not in a harsh way, but in a way where we get you guys to understand that this world is not going to acquiesce to your sensibilities unless you make it. And so we fight for what's right. We fight for the betterment of our society um, for all people, not just for liberals and conservatives or liberals and progressives. We've not yeah. just for atheists, for everybody. 
I want a world that we can all live in and enjoy. And so if you can't make the best of the reality out there, my best belief is to make the best out of your own personal life. Enjoy your own personal freedoms. Enjoy your own personal creativity. Never let that die. And um, create a re- fashion a world around you that's so full of life and energy and enthusiasm that you don't let the outside world. I mean, sure, you create yourself a bubble. So long as that bubble isn't a bubble full of nonsense, you got to have it somewhat grounded in reality. But, you know, even if it was all bullshit, I don't care. If you got to create and construct a bubble to uh, insulate yourself from that outside world there, do it. I don't care if it is in the form of Christianity. I believe the power of prayer and the power of God and the power of belief is a good thing because energy is intention. It doesn't matter whether I believe it or not. It's the fact that you believe it. And if you believe it, that's okay with me. Because at the end of the day, that energy is positive. And you're positively energizing the world to become a better more positive place. So I don't care where it comes from just so long as people are fighting for what's right. They're fighting for their own worth and their own value. And then that, you know, over time, hopefully that pay it forward will create a society that feels like it's growing. That feels like it's getting better. I really do believe it will happen. Just not, you know, the history books won't write about it, but it will be there. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So that's what we got for you guys. Um, I have uh, so many more topics for you guys, and I have real stuff. I am doing real research on Portal still, so that episode is coming. Um, I have uh, an episode that I want to do on, uh, what's that word, baby? The the Hawaiian uh, cryptid? Uh, The Menuene? The Menuene? Uh, the Menahuani. We, we said it six thousand times today. The Menahuani. So I might do a show on the Menahuani. I also might do a show on the Fresno uh, Nightcrawler. They call it. And the reason that is, and I might just concentrate all that show into um, like Native American cryptids or um, cryptids from other places. You know, I might. You know, but there, I might be able to do a show like that. Um, sometimes the only reason why we don't do certain shows for you guys is because uh, maybe there's not enough uh, pertinent new information on it, and so you you can't talk an hour on something where all there exists is two videos and there's nothing else. So if there's uh, you know two or more credible witnesses, if there's uh, recent events on the sighting of some cryptid. We will do a show on it. So I am going to be researching the Menahuane uh, and see if we can do a show for you on that. But uh, we've got two more in the bag, you guys, and that's probably going to be it. The portals and EVPs and then uh, some cryptid. And that will be it for mental health until we get back. I will be only gone uh, on hiatus for about three to four weeks this time. I'm not doing the two months again. I Just too, too much time had passed. Um, but I want to get back to work. I, I like working for and with you guys. That's what it's all about. I love this. This is this is who I am now, and I enjoy it. I enjoy the shit out of it. It's not work when you love what you're doing. Yeah. So That's thank true. you, hun, for being there with me and for me, and thank you for doing the show with of me. Course. And uh, as as you can tell, you guys, it's almost been two hours, and I'm still talking. My COVID symptoms are getting pretty light. Thank goodness for that. Mine are feeling a lot better today, too. Yeah. So So we're getting there, you guys. And thank you all for the the well-wishing and the love. 
Uh, we're getting there. We'll be there. We'll probably, we'll be back to normal in a few more days. So we're getting there. But uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do one more show this week. I'll try to if I'm feeling up to it. But uh, I am kind of getting a little tired now that I think about it. I think I pooped. I tuckered myself out. <laughs> <laughs> but I tend to do that. You know, I, I'm a workaholic, and then I got I get too tired, and then I go, oh, shit. You know. So we'll have to see. Um, but we've got a couple more in store for you guys. Hang in there, and then we're going to go on season, hiatus in Season 3. And I've got all these new things we're going to be doing for you guys. Uh, we're going to do the Patreon channel with tears. Uh, we're going to be doing the YouTube channel. I'm going to be putting out a website. Um, we're just slowly growing and getting there, and we're trying to build an empath tribe for everyone so that we can have positive resources for empaths. For the working people, the working class, struggling Joes, out Joes and Joe, Josies, what's the female of Joe? <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna find uh, resources for everyone and opportunities, and that's what it's all about, you guys. So thank you for joining me. We will see you again very soon. I'm not sure when, but uh, very soon, you guys. Maybe this week or maybe next week. One way or another, you will get uh, two more episodes from us. And then we'll go on a quick hiatus, but we're not going away for very long because we don't like to stay away too long. We like we like what we do. Thank you, baby. Yes, sir. You are welcome. Have a good one, you guys. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.